Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Twyla After Show. I'm Neil Malasson. Joining me, of course, is my co-producer, Carl Wiggers, as well as Kristen Oaks-White, who is solo hosting this week as Avery is out on assignment. And uh, with us, though, is Matt Sergo. He is in the safety department here at Farm Bureau. We're going to talk about holiday shop with him here in a bit. Um, first off, though, we're going to talk about my story because, well, I'm the host. And yeah, you always do that. I always You're not that. the host. Well, I'm the host of this podcast. Whatever. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> my, <laughs> my story this week was on uh, the sugar mill there, La Suca Sugar Mill, that has um, is there in St. Martinville. And I got in touch with uh, Mike Malasso, who set me up with uh, John Bear, who's one of the assistant managers there. He's one of the up-and-coming guys there who is um, running this full steam right now. He says that sugar harvest is almost halfway completed and of course they're blowing and going. The interesting thing about this this mill when you first get there is it's on a highway but where they line the trucks up is on the other side of the highway. Mm-hmm. So 18 wheelers are constantly crossing this highway to get into the mill. I mean they're lined up and they have to wait and they they then go in to get weighed and all that kind of good stuff and dump their load but it just looks like a friggin' circus there on yeah. the highway. It's so dangerous. But the uh, A-Bear says they don't have very many accidents at all. It's, yeah, it's right there. We've done a story. I've, I've been there before. That's where we, we actually, brought Zippy, right? We brought Zippy Duval yeah. there, the American right. Farm Bureau president. And um, I interviewed, I remember we interviewed Mike Melanson at the mill, and there's just a, I mean, endless trucks behind him. That's all you yeah. see. A lot it's of just, noise. Yeah. yeah, but it, I remember they have a huge lot across the road where yeah, they, just, they stage all those trucks. It's right. pretty impressive. And they've got, of course, all the sugarcane carts there, too, and it's next to a sugarcane field. The other thing that's uh, making it a hive of activity right now is they're basically doubling their um, capacity to get. They're putting in a whole new tank for molasses. They're doing a whole new thing of the steam, the hydraulic stuff, and the, the presses and the grinders. So they're going to go from something like... 13,000 to 20,000 tons per day. Wow. And uh, it's and it's all going to be brand new equipment. It's just they're, they've got a whole other shed. They're doing that. They're kind of sandwiched between the highway and the Bayou Tesh, so they don't, they've don't. they never had that much room to expand. Mm-hmm. But um, well, they're making good use of it, and it should be a, a really interesting thing to see. Well, you talked about the activity outside of the sugar right. mill. Inside the sugar mill is what I envisioned the inside of a beehive looks like because there's just as much activity going on in there. Indeed. Yeah. Remember, I mean, it's there. there's somebody doing something at all times in That's, there, and it's like a well-oiled machine it is. of yeah. how they – and it's hot. <laughs> yes. It is hot as all get out. Yeah. Fortunately, the weather's turned, so, you know, it wasn't quite as bad as I going out care, there I don't care, but it was beginning. still hot in there because it was it not was. that day. It was. A lot of steam. It yeah. was. One of the things I was going to ask you, though, how are they able to, you know, add all of that infrastructure – to that mill. I mean, are they picking up acreage? Are there, are there more people picking up sugarcane? Well, I, I think it is. They're in a really great cooperative with seven or eight other mills to with um, Louisiana Sugar Refinery. Okay. And so they're all delivering to their own refinery, so they're getting their own price. It's really added a lot of stability to that, and I think sugarcane as a whole is doing really well, so that's where they're able to add that. In fact, I'm going to go out uh, this Friday to Louisiana Sugar Refinery and see that end product and see what um uh, you know how it's uh, the end product i don't think we've ever done that on the show showed that sugar yeah made um domino sugar is you know they are in new orleans but they've been kind of tight-knit you mm-hmm. know they get their sugar from different areas and they just haven't wanted a story done on them which is fine but um fortunately louisiana sugar refinery has opened their doors to us and we're going to go in there one of the things that i remember about when we went with zippy duval mm-hmm. to the to that 
mill was the beautiful house next door but you've also you did some sightseeing while you were also working which had great landscaping yeah it did have great landscaping Uh. Kristen made lots of comments about that beautiful Mm -hmm. oak trees but you went to another sightseeing spot could you say tell me about the other place you went to on the story well i just two miles down the road is where the actual town of St. Martinville is, and there is Evangeline Oak there, where Henry um, uh, Longfellow wrote the poem Evangeline, which details, it's kind of a saga about the Acadians moving from Canada to Louisiana. And, of course, it's a tragic tale because they, they were kicked out, many died, and, and so they had to they were forcibly resettled, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. And so Evangeline Oak is memorialized. That's where Longfellow got... Um, his inspiration from and that's you know there's a park there for him and it's a beautiful little thing with the typical moss hanging off the cypress trees and the oak there is just beautiful and looks hundreds of years old and it's it's very typical for that area there's just you know so many oak trees that are these old gnarled things that have been there for as long as the the sugar industry has been there and so it's just a it's kind of i guess the heart of cajun country so Mm -hmm. to speak you know it's it's it really is kind of a memorial to cajun culture as a whole it's beautiful pictures you posted on facebook and uh i'm I'm looking forward you haven't i haven't seen any of your footage there but i'm assuming if it's anything like the photos you took it's going to be incredible so that's gonna be cool it it was really neat to to just go down there and see it and you know i like to i like to spend time down the bayou (laughs) say (laughs) what is it what is it about i mean Tim, where did this idea come from? You were telling me about it the other day, kind of where right. this idea to stop at this historical marker. Well, you know, I, and I'm sure you know this from going out on so many shoots, that there's so many historical markers across the state. And we pass them all the time, mm-hmm. and people pass them, and it's just inconvenient for most to, to get out and look for them. But since we're in those areas, I thought, why not go and take a look at these historical markers, see what there's about, and kind of report on them since we're there already. And I think it makes for a much more generally interesting show and, mm-hmm. you know, has a broader base for our, our, the people out there watching. So I, I think it's just something neat to do. I mean, it, 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 I'm kind of a history buff, and I guess that makes me, you know, a little bit of a nerd. But I, I bet a lot of people will find it true. And and when you see the pictures, it's really pretty there. And a lot of these historical markers are in some really nice places. A little bit of a nerd. <laughs> a <little> bit. <laughs> he's a thinker. He has his thinking cap on when he's driving. Yeah. Thinking of places and stories to do. He, he probably does. I, I stay can... between the mustard and the mayonnaise. And oh, my gosh <laughs> i don't notice any of the. <laughs> I, i've seen those signs in fact last time i went to casey luckett's at rosedown rosedown plantation there's right. a massive uh historical marker sign as you pull into the the plantation and it's just like oh that's a piece of history that i'm entering right now and i don't mm-hmm. i forget about it sometimes whenever i go and, and do stories places 61 no, it's just okay, off of 61. Say, I've never seen that. No, it's right at the entrance of the gate okay. of the plantation, but they're everywhere. I mean, in Louisiana, we're so we got such a rich history here in the state. So, I'm going to start looking for them now that yeah. you've you've kind of issued the the challenge. So, I'm going to start keeping my eyes open for them and maybe doing something similar like you are. I have a recommendation and that is I ate at St. John restaurant. St. John is the name it's it's associated with the sugar mill. And so they, you know, it's associated with that area and um so I ate at the restaurant there and you know when you go in all the wait staff there is so friendly and they call you honey and you know they 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 make you feel like you're part of the family and of course it's great cajun food i had the gumbo that day because you know it's chilly weather and it's fall in louisiana so i may as well 
further the stereotype. <laughs> but it was really good, and um, uh, you know, it's just a a really pleasant way to spend an afternoon. And I, these towns really depend on that that tourism and the word of mouth there. So if I can help them grow, that's that'll keep that delicious food and that culture there going a little longer. Yeah, and those places like St. John are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Also in these small towns, they're rich oh, yeah. with with hot spots like that. Well, yeah. that makes me think of Frogmore, similar right. situation, but in relation to cotton. Mm-hmm. Did you know that frog part of Frogmore burned down? I did. That was a, what, a couple months ago now, yeah. right? Actually, I've never been there, but I've seen videos of that place. I remember remember we did the agritourism kind of stuff last uh-huh. year. We were highlighting every week an agritourism place, and that one I found Frogmore, and I was like, oh, man, they do like the— You've never seen it before? I've never been there. Wow. I've never even been there. It's so, a really, really neat again, place. Again, yeah. I'm kind of keeping it between the mayonnaise and mustard as well, <laughs> I guess, because it's well, not far off from, like, from I can go turn Faraday and be there in a few really minutes probably. It's really close to Faraday, but, you, I mean, I guess you'd have to be going from— from Faraday to Alexandria mm. or to Jonesville, mm-hmm. that's where you'd pass it. I mean, you wouldn't pass it coming from Winsboro. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know that for sure. But I do know I did know that it was kind of off Faraday way. I'm sure. You're, I'm going to bring Matt into this. Okay, Matt, you ride motorcycles, right? Yes. Is that your motorcycle out there? That today? is. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh, that's what I thought. Yeah. Do you ever stop at places like this when you're out riding? Do you ride a bunch of two lane roads and do that kind of stuff? I do. So if I can help it, I usually try to stay off the interstate. And I'm notorious as well as me and my dad, especially whenever we go out of state. Um, and whenever we go on long trips, we try our best to try to pull over on a lot of marks. It's led us to a lot of looking at small Civil War battle sites to learning about small history that we may not even know. There's even one. That's up um, towards St. Gabriel, I think, that I saw the other day. That's upwards along by the river, and there's an Army Corps base out there that leads to some road that had a little marker on it. I forget what it said, but, yeah, we do that notoriously Yeah, try to learn a whole bunch. It gives you a better sense of where you are in an area, especially if it's a new place. It kind of makes you feel more connected to it. Mm, that's well, cool. Matt, since this is your first time on the podcast, yeah. give us give us your background. Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, my name is Matt Sergo. I've been with Louisiana Farm Bureau for about a year. A um, little bit about me. I teach a lot of the safety classes with Wendell Miley. I help out with Holiday Shop. Um, I also teach uh, with the state police for their motorcycle safety program. I've been doing that for about a year as well. So, been happy to be here so Where are you far. from originally? I'm originally from Abita Springs. So where they brew the beer, that's where I come from. So it's, you don't have any beautiful two-lane two roads yeah. out there to oh, ride yeah, around. We, we definitely suffer way out there. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. It's <laughs> one, one of the, the best places yeah, to drive. God, Neil and so I beautiful. talk about it all the time. The rolling hills out there and Abita State Park and, I mean, all oh. of that. So Once you get out by that Money Hill area, the yeah. road just opens up and you just you can go forever on it. Oh, it's so so beautiful out there. Well, let's talk about Holiday Shop a little bit, Matt, and uh, tell me what it is and, and what it offers because uh, anybody can be a part of it. Is that right? It is. It, it's a member service, um, so that's what was brought in. I think he said, Wendell said it's been going on for 32 yeah, years since now. The, I think he said the mid 80, uh, late 80s, 87 yeah. or so. And what it is is it's a way for us to help support local uh, Louisiana farmers. We also have Florida Farm Bureau, which provides us with our peanut products. Um the trees come from Patrick Becknell. This year, we won't have any fresh citrus just mm-hmm. due to a poor growing season. And again, the citrus canker kind of tends to plague that uh, 
that business. But Patrick says his trees are doing remarkably well. He's even added an extra one on top of it, and we've made a few changes. So no fresh fruit this year, but we're going to give you the opportunity to kind of grow your own. I think I'm buying some trees. I highly recommend it. They've already started producing a whole bunch. Yeah. My, um, I sent my wife a, a picture of the order form. I was like, anything like this like look exciting? And she said, all the trees. Yeah. Like, babe, we don't have a big enough yard for all the trees. <laughs> and But I think we're going to be getting some. I'm pretty excited about it. So you said Satsuma? Yes. So lemon? what we'll have is uh, a navel orange Satsuma. We'll have a Meyer lemon, a Persian lime, page mandarin, Fuyu persimmon, and... Oh, I thought it was just one? the three that we said on no, the it's, show. No, it's a handful. There's one more that there, escapes there me. I should have brought the list up variety. me. That's well, very diverse. Answer this, because I'm sure somebody is going to ask you this question before the holiday shop deadline is over. Yes. So I am about, I guess, 80 miles north of here. How far north can you successfully grow set the Satsumas and some of these orange varieties that we're selling? So the Satsumas will do very well if you're worried about, say, colder temperatures that right. may go through. Satsumas are going to be what's going to actually benefit from a lot of cold. Um, once you get that first kind of snap, they kind of get that orange to them. Um, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. The lemons will be a little bit more sensitive to it. I was but about to say, every year I get a lemon tree and every year yeah. it dies. Patrick always recommends that if you do have a big frost coming, what he'll do is he'll go and uh, put a sheet over his trees and he'll actually hang a light bulb with an extension cord running up just to kind of glow in the tree and it keeps that frost from forming. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. Didn't, I didn't know any of that stuff. I, I knew you don't see a lot of citrus further north, yeah, but I didn't know that like yeah. it was that it that needs, uh, crucial, I guess. It, they tend I, to be pretty finicky with it. I guess, and then when you're putting the time of year that you're putting it in the ground, doesn't really give it a chance to set good roots because it's. I mean, it comes in around Christmas time, so it's cold. It does. Yeah. Yes. Well, do we do we leave them in the pots during Christmas? That's like, what I would and, do. And through through so, the spring. Yes, that's what um, Wendell's especially got that background with landscaping. But from what he's told me, what Patrick's told me, leave them in there till it gets a little bit warmer and kind of give them that chance to kind of start growing again. Mom, They'll do fine in the pots for a while. My mom said one from two years from the holiday shop, and she's kept it in a huge pot, and <laughs> she puts a heat lamp on it when it gets really cold, and. <laughs> It's still alive. Wow! She real she wheels it inside when it gets really really cold and all the way up in the, you know, still the cold the Arctic up there in I twenty. Well, yeah. we it's my, colder than it gets here. It does. It does. It's weird. Yeah. We it gave does. my fiance uh, fiance's parents a lemon tree and it sat on the pot for what eight nine months. And we finally like, are y'all going to plant that thing? Because they kept it in the garage and it was looking so neglected. <laughs> <laughs> poor poor lemon tree. I will say this: give you a fair warning for the persimmon trees. You know, if you let them grow to full size, they will produce. You will be a farmer at that point with just one tree. They pursue. They they grow a lot of persimmons. You know, and it it varies. You know, like all trees, they grow a lot some years and then less some year. But when they're you know they when they really hit it, the branches will be drooping with fruit. It's unbelievable. That's what we did. I was trying to think what a persimmon was. You tried one on blooming on the bayou. Yes, <laughs> at Burden, we we did a blooming they do. on the bayou they out there. They look like a something like, from a scary movie yeah it yeah. does it like it, that's exactly what i was about to say we, we were yeah we were out there shooting and the rain was about to come and the, so it was getting cloudy and i was shooting was the really video with the drone looking. it was super weird but like it was cool it was very haunting that's a good word for it but yeah um holiday shop where do we learn more about it can i mean can, yeah. can it's open for anybody it's uh it's open for anybody um you know we Tied it as a member benefit, but you don't have to be a member to actually do the program. We recommend anybody that does it if they want to have access to Louisiana products. Um, you can learn more about it on our website. 
which is Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation.org uh, slash holiday shop, I believe. The form is up and running online. That'll be sent to your local parish farm bureau, which is where your products will be delivered to. Mm-hmm. So and we're not delivering to everybody's house. We're not Amazon. Yeah. Correct. We are not Amazon. We don't have the manpower You could do it. that on your motorcycle. <laughs> exactly. With I'll a, a trailer. Carrier. I can pull it behind me. But they make great Christmas gifts yeah. for, I mean, you could knock out a whole bunch of people on your list. Teachers, your kids' teachers, or neighbors, or... They do. I've never seen anybody frown from getting a bag of that pecan candy or getting chocolate chocolate covered pecans. Yes, I mean they make really good gifts. Yeah, and anytime you go to somebody's Christmas dinner or something, there you go. You got something to take, something you know in the in the kitchen you can grab on your way out the door and not go empty handy, empty handed. And as Matt said, you know some of the products do come from Florida, but all of the funding you'll spend on this either goes to Louisiana or Florida producers that are, it's directly, so it directly supports uh, Louisiana agriculture and uh, or small farmers in, in general. You had something to add there? No, Carl? I was okay. just going to, I was going to say that's one of the things that Wendell was telling me just earlier. He said, it's, it's just a new market. I asked him why this, why we started this, you know, back in the eighties. And he said, well, it, it's a benefit to our employees, our, our, you know, membership, but it's also beneficial to the farmers to mm-hmm. put you know another outlet for their like for them to market their products and i think that's a, another cool aspect of it is that with every purchase you're helping a family farm somewhere in, yeah, in louisiana exactly. or florida and everybody likes doing that everybody likes knowing that they're helping somebody that they're supporting a local business or a small farm or small family business so I think that's a cool aspect of it. Are sweet potatoes on it this year? Sweet potatoes are not on it this year. If you're a Farm Bureau employee, you get sweet potatoes, but uh, we just won't have enough to actually distribute uh-huh. to everybody. I think it's the season thing, isn't it? it yeah, isn't that it what is. it is? It just gonna... happens to be just enough time. And even Patrick, who gives us our trees, we were going to do fresh citrus this year, but he just said by Thanksgiving he'd be totally out. Mm-hmm. So you can get some for Thanksgiving, but you have to order it by, like, Friday, I think. Yeah, in two days, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. so, so Matt can probably hook you up with the uh, so order for a minute. you and give me half of them. We'll see. Okay. We'll see about that. Yeah, well, the <laughs> only thing I was going to say there is I've been doing this 24 years. I've been with Farm Bureau for 24 years. And whether it's Holiday Shop or something like the Luck at CSA or even just buying strawberries, it ne- I mean, I've never had a bad experience with oh, yeah. buying the stuff and getting fresh, good produce or, or good products in, in general. So I highly encourage you. I've learned that. in my few years to keep a checkbook at my desk just yeah. in case somebody's <laughs> wandering through with some honey, some fresh honey or some strawberries are coming by the front Brie, door. You and- have that kettle corn. Oh, oh my gosh, oh. yes. So anyways, Matt, thank you for being here and telling us some more about the holiday shop. You can stick around. I want you to stick yeah. around, but just I thank really appreciate that. Me. That's fun. Thank you. Speaking of fresh products, let's talk about fresh lettuce, Carl. You got an interesting story this week that we talked about. Kristen mentioned uh, we saw this in San Diego, and now it's spread to your very hometown. It's my hometown. It's actually, uh, I did a story on it a couple years ago. It's called the Delta Initiative, um, but it's the farm project in Winsboro. It's it's really a, a program designed around um, working with, you know, kids, teenagers that maybe have rough home lives or they have behavior problems or, you know, they just need some after school activity. And it's, that's really what it was built around. And so it's, it's to serve the purpose of, you know, maybe helping straighten some kids out or, or just giving somebody, you know, a a mentor, but it's using the farm, using gardening, using, you know, practices of putting a seed in the ground and you know, those very core values that farmers, we talk about all the time, and farmers are just, you know, the salt of the earth type people that just good old, pe- good people, you know, and it's using the farm to 
show some of those characteristics and, and traits and pass them down to, to people that maybe don't aren't raised around agriculture, aren't raised knowing anything about their food. And I love the project because I, I realize how blessed I was to be raised on a farm, to understand hard work, to understand, you know, faith in, in the farm uh, and, and faith in something bigger to make the farm work, you know, with weather or prices or whatever it may be. And seeing now that the farm project and the Delta Initiative is working to show that to people that aren't blessed like I was to be raised that way, it's it's really cool and encouraging to me to see that. And it probably offers a gift to them in the form of, of therapy because it is therapeutic to, to plant a seed, to work hard in the dirt with your hands and, and to grow something, to see, you know, to reap the... The rewards of your hard work yeah i'm sure that that offers those kids you know if they're if they're going through a hard time that's a great idea yeah. i didn't know that that was part of the yeah that's the that's the core of it which is really it. it's really neat I, I, I so i profiled katie schroeder she is in my ag leadership class she's part of the team that that runs that and does the counseling and she she just does a lot of the work there but she's from michigan and so I profiled her because she's in my ag leadership class, and I'm trying to find some an ag leadership story to kind of get ahead of some of our work that we're going to do in Japan and Thailand. We're going to shoot a show there. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to kind of do something with a, one of my ag leadership classmates. And I was like, wait, Katie's from Michigan, moved to Delhi, Louisiana, to work on a large sweet potato operation, and now she's working on this small community garden. She's total life change. So I was kind of trying to get to the bottom of that. So it was a really cool story, and, and Katie you know, has a great story that I'm excited about. One of the things I added on the on set was I was telling Kristen about she's gone back to school to become a counselor now. So she has an ag business degree. She you know, was hardcore, let's do this big farm thing. Let's, she was working as an agronomist at the last farm she was at, and now she's done a full switch to wanting to still be very rooted in the farm, but now wants to grow in counseling to be able to you know, help the kids. She's taken that on as a calling and she's really just gone head first into that world. And it's just, it's neat to see. I think you used the word faith earlier. I think that's a great word because it's, as as Kristen kind of alluded to, it's such a natural fit for these projects to come together to agriculture and helping, you know, youth who are disadvantaged. And when you, it's, it's a, easy lesson, a hands-on lesson, literally, for them to see how what they can do makes a difference. And that's often the spark that gets those kids out of the mire from, you know, bad environments that they come from and go, you know what, I can make a difference. I can produce something. I can be relevant to my community and to myself. Mm -hmm. And I I think that that's great. I think that counseling thing could help her do more of that on a larger scale. And if people would just give it a chance, projects like that a chance, I think you would see that that stuff's blue so to speak yeah whatever and, problems they came from whatever is on their mind you know at home or, or for whatever reason that they are there that takes it off of it for a minute in mm-hmm. addition to giving them some therapy so i think i can't say enough good things about what i think she's doing yeah so. and she actually she wants to still have her own farm one day you know she still wants to you know not just the community garden she wants to have her own farm that's under her name but she wants to also take that counseling degree that she's going to gain and this experience and then maybe open some kind of a you know horticultural therapy or something like that just because she sees the value in it 
but she doesn't want to get away from that. She still, I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to say she, she really does still really have a heart for the farm. But now that she's got this, you know, new opportunity and new passion for, you know, people that could really benefit from it, she's she's just lit up like a firecracker about it. And it's it's really neat to see. One of the other things about it is <laughs> she was telling me the kids just eat up the garden. They, they love it. It's they, fresh. It's good stuff, isn't it? Yeah, they, they love the food, but they love like seeing putting a seed in the ground and she's like they just they love seeing that and doing it and then all of a sudden in a week or two they see it sprouted, the they yeah. see it sprouted right. and they want to plant more and they want to do more. so it's it's really a cool thing that she's saying they're seeing a lot of you know success with i think it gives them problems that they can solve mm-hmm. you know that's the their that's in their wheelhouse to to solve yeah um, we want to talk about one last thing, and that is the passing of Holly Clegg. She died, unfortunately, November 1st from stomach cancer. And uh, it's a bitter irony that a woman who wrote a book on surviving cancer and eating well through it would pass from stomach cancer herself. And it, it just goes along with, you know, a lot of what I saw uh, from testimonials about her book you know, that people, some would survive cancer, some would not, but they always found that book very helpful to give them a path. And mm. if, if it didn't, if it wasn't necessarily curative, it was palliative in the sense that it helped them uh, live a little better, eat a little better, do well. She wrote things specifically for people going through chemotherapy treatments, which is notoriously suppressive of appetites. And it helped a lot of people do that, keep a little energy. Even in their final days, you know, they would be able to recover. So it's just, it's um, it's a really sad thing to see her her pass. Her husband, I know, was devastated. I worked with AJ Sabine on, on some of those early cooking shows and was part of the film crew. And Holly was just like she is on camera. Maybe she's she's a little more low key off camera, but what she lacks in sort of exuberance that you see on camera, she makes up for in hospitality and welcoming and joking and and just it, it was I felt right at home in her beautiful kitchen every single time. I was going to ask for you to clarify like I mean people in Baton Rouge know her, people, you know, in the food world maybe know her mm-hmm. as she an was author. a spokesperson for Walmart, like international for the yeah. sweet potato. The work that she did, I think it was through the Sweet Potato Industry Council. Right. Yeah. And so she, she, I mean, a lot of people outside of Louisiana know her. A lot of people know her, but some may not even realize that she was a, a, a recurring guest on the show in the she in was. the feasting on agriculture segment. Can right. You, can you kind of explain yeah, that? Holly Clegg's uh, Trim and Terrific Kitchen. That Is that was what it her, was called? Her, her big thing. And um, she we did do some feasting stuff with her, but she would do – we did a segment where we would go into her kitchen and she would use Louisiana products only, and she would cook these just amazing – like paella, you know, Spanish dishes and ca- some traditional Cajun dishes and some just really kind of crazy stuff that she would find room for all of these ingredients and come up with stuff. And even if you didn't necessarily like that dish, I think the great thing about her her program was she was able to spark interest and creativity in the kitchen for people who would go, ooh, I like that idea. Mm-hmm. And I never thought to use Louisiana rice like that. I never thought to use beef in that way. And and that was what made her successful and her book so successful. She would not just find the the 
the, the cancer treatment stuff, but she would find innovative ways to use these ingredients in her kitchen. And uh, she was a frequent guest on the on the show as and and a visitor here. And um, she and AJ got along really well because they were both say, very they had a extroverted, great, a great and, chemistry together on camera. Right, and you, and you could see it. And and like I said, she was like that off camera as well. And um, her assistant was was really you know very welcoming as well they they just did everything they could to make that shoot easy every single time so we really mourn her passing and uh you know it's it's a it's a sad day here on this week in louisiana agriculture but she does leave a great legacy behind in her books and her videos and um, her advocacy for agriculture in the state. Also, she wasn't asking for flowers, right? That right. was one of her she wishes. Wanted donations to. She's got a very special um, Holly Clegg uh, stomach cancer fund that uh, goes to cancer research, and uh, we'll link you to that um, on our website at twilighttv.org, as well as um, the holiday shop. We're going to yeah. put stuff. We'll put there. links so to all that. If you're hungry or you want some ornamental trees or some producing fruit trees. We'll have that for you on our website. And if you yep. want Matt to deliver it to your house on his motorcycle, motorcycle. I'm sure he will. I'll be happy for, to do so. For, for <laughs> he a said surcharge, it. He, said he will, he yeah. will be happy to, to do that. Maybe if you just cook something for him. Yeah, just yeah. don't laugh at me when you see me going the interstate with the trees flapping. Away. <laughs> they might not have any Your tree may arrive leafless. <laughs> when it gets to Shreveport. <laughs> Absolutely. Matt, thank you for joining us. On the, we're, we're glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. Of course, uh, Kristen Oaks-White, Carl Wiggers, and myself, Neil Melanson. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and even share it with a friend or two. Also, if you liked it, go ahead and leave us a review. Tell us what you think about the show. What would you like to hear more of? What do you not like that much? That's okay to hear too. The Twilight After Show podcast is brought to you by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana Farm Bureau is the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you again right here next week.